Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Today we have with us Noreen Doyle, who's the president and chief executive officer of the Hudson River Park, which is a partnership between New York State and New York City charged with building and operating Hudson River Park, which runs uh, approximately between Chambers Street and West 59th Street along Manhattan's west side, a true gem in the city. Noreen has worked on many of the park's signature design, construction, environmental, and planning initiatives. She has also held other positions in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. The Hudson River Park Trust is a free urban recreational oasis, and it's home to award-winning skate parks, playgrounds, sports fields, gardens, and nature exhibits, boating and maritime activities, art installations, and a myriad year-round events that celebrate the diverse cultures and neighborhoods along its shores. The park, which transformed four miles of decaying piers and parking lots into a premier New York City destination for local residents and visitors alike, plays a critical role in protecting the Hudson River ecosystem. So it's great to have you with us, Noreen. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Well, it's an exciting time for you and the city as the park is celebrating its 25th anniversary coming up. So I'd love to hear some of the biggest accomplishments since it was founded and really talk about your goals for the future. Sure. So it is an amazing time for us right now. We were created by a state law called the Hudson River Park Act, which was passed in 1998. And the act actually created Hudson River Park and created the Hudson River Park Trust as a city-state partnership to design, build, operate Hudson River Park. But at the time the park was created through this legislation, there was no park. It was a bunch of asphalt, old piers, abandoned piers, auto glass repair shops, other things like that. There were a lot of advocates trying to make park-like uses happen. There were a few, particularly in Tribeca, um, predecessors of our river project and the downtown boathouse, a few park-like uses, but basically very few trees, no grass, and it would have been hard to imagine it as the park it is today. So since that time, we've been building areas of the park along those four miles that you mentioned as we can, as money is available, as designs are available. And this year, our 25th anniversary, we couldn't have planned it this way if we had tried, but we'll be opening the seven and a half acres of new parkland, the Gansevoort Peninsula and Pier 97. We will be opening the restored, um, improved, and with a new public restroom for the first time, Chelsea Waterside Park. And we'll be opening the science play area at uh, in Tribeca as well. So amazing things happening in 2023. That's fantastic. You know, it's almost like you if you build it, they will come. Look at the west side now. I mean, it's incredible just the park, but really all the housing that's been developed along the park and, and really become one of the hot in not just Manhattan, but the whole city. It's it's really great to see. It really is. It feels like there's energy here. I mean, Hudson River Park won't take full credit for it. The Whitney Museum here, a lot of other things that have happened here very intentionally as part of city and state planning have helped make that possible too. But we do think we're an anchor for all of that and a draw for all of that. And I, I, we are people's backyards, we're people's front yards, um, we're, we're a destination park, but we're also a hyper-local park for many people who come here. They might come here to walk their dog, they might come here to bring their child to a sports game, and they might come here for some kind of cultural event or something else that we're doing. So we, we, you know, we're serving so many different audiences. 
Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying that the park is is truly a gem, but can you talk about the importance of just overall of accessible green space in the city? Well, New York City being New York City, we we do actually have some of the world's great public open spaces, um, not just Central Park, then Cortland Park, other parks and other boroughs, beaches that part of our open space as well. But I think we all saw during COVID, um, parks are a, an essential use. Yeah. I think people used to think of them as a nice extra. And I think now the vocabulary around speaking about public open space is evolving. I think people know that it is not just an extra. It is something that people psychically and physically need. And it's good for their health. It's good for mental health. It's good for joy and being a happier place. For sure. I mean, I can tell you, I live on the waterfront in Williamsburg and and having, you know, park and open space is, is just such a critical part of having, you know, a vibrant neighborhood. Absolutely. I'd love you to share a little bit about the Parks River Project and and the significance of studying the Hudson River estuary. Well, Hudson River Park is unique in a lot of ways. One of them is that when that state law that I was talking about, the Hudson River Park Act, was passed, our approximately 400 water acres that are within our boundaries were designated as an estuarine sanctuary by the state. So we have, as a core part of our mission, being a steward of those 400 acres. And from the get-go, even when our staff was fewer than 20 people, I think, environmental education was one of the things that was an early investment from a staffing perspective. Over the years, um, and inspired by our original river project that Kathy Drew and Tribeca started um, before the park was created, we have grown that to be a very vibrant part of our staff We do environmental education. We serve tens of thousands of kids and adults through general public programming and through intentional school-based programming where we invite schools to come every year. We have a submerged marine science festival. Last year's brought in about 5,000 people, a two-day festival, schools and the general public coming to learn about what lives in the river. In the last year and a half, we have planted 31 million juvenile oysters in submerged habitat features in both Tribeca and at the Gansevoort Peninsula as a way of restoring habitat. We do environmental DNA research and water quality research. We work with professors from CUNY and other institutions uh, as they are trying to advance their research projects that might relate to fish or water quality or other issues like marine plastics. We have a park over plastic program that relates to all of this. Basically, science and education are core parts of our mission, not extras. They inform what we do on a day-to-day basis. I love it. I love it. That's really fantastic. Millions of oysters. I knew there were a lot of oysters. I didn't realize it was millions. (laughs) Well, there used to be, you know, oysters used to be poor people food um, in the 19th century. And then um, obviously... Now you can't eat the oysters here. Maybe someday that will be possible. So right now, the role of uh, the structures that we're installing into the river is to enrich the habitat, essentially by creating artificial reef type structures. Mm. And then many of those we have seeded with juvenile oysters because oysters themselves help clean the Hudson River. They're filter feeders. So over time, our goal, the goal of others doing similar work throughout the harbor is to help restore this community because of the environmental benefits it provides. I love it. That's amazing. So you talked about a lot of new projects that are going to be opening up this summer or this year. One in particular you mentioned was the Gansevoort Peninsula. 
So I'd love you to share, you know, a little bit about it and, and when we can expect uh, to be able to go through it. Sure. Gansevoort is a five and a half acre uh, piece of landfill. So it's not a pier. And it is basically at the edge of 14th Street in the Meatpacking District. And one of the many nice aspects of it is that when it opens, it will remove kind of one of the unfinished portions of the park from the long chain of park piers and other improved spaces so that you won't be passing kind of a construction site anymore, or formerly it was a sanitation site. So at Gansevoort, as is typical of what we do for all of our public open space projects, we uh, hired a design team and then we held a community design process where people talked to us about what types of uses they wanted to have at, at the site. And we heard from a lot of ball, ball players um, and children about wanting and needing more space for active sports. And we also heard from a lot of environmental community people about wanting access to the river. So at Gansevoort, we will have a bit of both as well as uh, other things. So on the south side of the peninsula, we will have a kind of stepped seating with flat boulders or rocks um, creating kind of a ledge as well as a kayak access area. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit upland from that will be a sandy zone and then a grassy zone. So that's what people are referring to when they hear about the beach in Manhattan. We can't let people swim in the Hudson River. It's not suitable for that for a variety of reasons, but it's not hard to imagine that people, New Yorkers who used to talk about tar beaches and others will be, they'll still be very happy, I think, on our sandy beach. We're building a misting station so that you can cool off in the misted clean water if you get hot after you've been sunbathing. The last remnant of 13th Avenue is on the western side of the peninsula. Manhattan once had a 13th Avenue. Mm -hmm. On the north side, we have a salt marsh and some of those oysters that we were talking about. There's an adult fitness area, a dog run, and the F fire department Marine Company 1. Um, we're building actually around a, an active uh, marine fire company as well. That's so cool. People have to go to see the park because it really is so well thought out and done from every angle that, you know, this opening, I'm sure is going to blow people's minds. I thank you for saying that, um, you know, in New York City, where every single use has a user group that's an advocate for it. It's yeah. a lot of exercise in, in, in trying to compromise and figure out what you can do without totally forsaking design, right? Yeah. So trying to keep design and inspiring design up there while you're also trying to deliver this array of uses that people want. I think our designers have done a really good job at, at helping us achieve that. But thank you for saying that. So I know it's probably difficult for you to say, but maybe you could share what your favorite either part or activity in the park is when, when it gets, you know, spring and summer. It is difficult to say because it's uh, like picking your favorite child or on some level, but there are a couple of things that I love. One is just going out after work when kids are out of school, adults are out of work, they're exercising, they're running, they're kayaking, they're hanging out with friends. The park has different personalities, different peers, different times of day. And I actually just honestly enjoy walking it and looking at who's doing what where. Another thing that I love about it is in certain places, you can hear the water. So one of those places is at the western end of Pier 26, where we built a tide deck. In New York City, 
you know, because we have a hard shoreline in a lot of places. Yes, you can hear water kind of slap against the seawall or the bulkhead, but at the western edge of Pier 26, you can actually hear water. And if you close your eyes and just hear water lapping, it's a really zen experience for me. I, I love that. I love certain areas where I can hear birds early in the morning, where in a lot of places in Manhattan, you don't have that experience. So like the Tribeca Boardwalk or in Chelsea, the Habitat Garden. And I just love watching the city be itself by all the different kinds of people it attracts that are here and that obviously feel comfortable being here. The more you talk, the more I can't wait for spring. (laughs) (laughs) Spring is good. We all want spring, especially today. So I'd love to hear from you about Pier 57. I know there's uh, the food hall. It's been publicized. But would love to hear a little bit more about that and, and just anything else that you could tell us about Pier 57. Pier 57 is another project we're really proud of. It's a fantastic public-private partnership. It's a historic pier. It's on the state and national registers of historic places. And until the early 2000s, it was an active bus depot, an MTA bus depot. So when they vacated the space, Hudson River Park had to figure out what to do with it. And we are a financially self-supporting park. So the idea was that this would be one of the places that would be redeveloped privately, but where we would have some requirements for public benefits that would be part of it. And where we would work with the community also to try to figure out, even though we weren't the developers as we are for the public peers, some of the things they hope to achieve here. So Pier 57 has a huge public rooftop park that opened last April, and it will have a restaurant on the Western end eventually, which is one of the things that the community board told us way back when that they really wanted. That is not opening in April, but the market 57 will be. And so that is the space that the James Beard Foundation has been working with Jamestown and Google uh, to kind of help plan and identify vendors that are uh, kind of small vendors that don't have a lot of places or establishments or anything else like that in the city. So kind of curating and giving opportunity and even coaching and mentoring some of these new small food businesses as they get themselves established here at the pier. In addition, the pier will have a huge area called the living room, which will be basically like indoor public open space where you'll be able to come and grab a coffee or no coffee and just enjoy the view. There are going to be bookable community classrooms that if you are a nonprofit organization, you'll be able to say that you'd like to arrange to kind of book a space and without paying money, you'll be able to do that so long as your program has some public benefit. And then in addition, we are very excited because we will have our first kind of purpose-built indoor public classroom, going back to that River Project mission. We have a space that we have called the Discovery Tank, and it will have an environmental tech gallery where you'll be able to play environmental games such as Keep Your Oyster Toadfish Alive and other things that will really be unique not just for kids, but the vision from it throughout was that, you know, say you're an adult and you come to the pier for great eats of some sort at the market, and you might never be a person who would go into a nature center or would mm-hmm. arrange to go to one of our classes, but you leave having learned something about the Hudson River that's right outside your door and the abundant wildlife that lives in it, 85 fish species so far. 
Well, I have to give a big shout out to City Winery. I'm a big City Winery fan. Oh, City Winery is such a wonderful use there. So they opened in the middle of the pandemic. They had to close. They had to then reopen within all the constraints that, you know, that everyone had, um, businesses had. They are a fantastic use. They are a beloved use. When we announced to the community that that City Winery was going to be moving from the location where they had started themselves and where they had to move from in, in kind of Hudson Square and that they were going to be coming to Pier 57, people were so happy. Yeah, for sure. What about for those that just are very into, you know, call music or performing arts? What, what can you share takes place at the park around that? Well, of course, there are uses like City Winery that do the top-notch programming themselves. We also do programming, um, for example, in June. I think it's uh, June 8th and 9th. We will be bringing back our Hudson River Park Dance Festival that we do in collaboration with the Joyce Theater. And so we bring two days of incredible uh, dance, totally for free. Some of New York City's best dance companies, Martha Graham and others that perform for the public. And we do this in Chelsea. We every year have for two decades and counting, have our annual Blues Barbecue Festival. This year, it's going to be on August 19th. We uh, Last year, we had about 13,000 people enjoy a lineup of Blues Axe, again, all for free. And that one will be at Pier 76. We have weekly jazz concerts and other, our Sunset uh, series, which is uh, all kind of small bands and musicians and singers that perform on Pier 45 in Greenwich Village. We do all kinds of great free public events ourselves. And it's fun. And if I have it right, people can go to HudsonRiverPark.org to kind of look up all the events and all the different piers and all the different destinations. You have that exactly right. HudsonRiverPark.org. We've tried to make it user-friendly. You can sort by activity. You can sort by pier. You can sort by location. If you know you're going to be in a particular geographic zone, um, because our, we're four miles long. So if you know you're going to be in Hell's Kitchen for the day, you can try to look at what you can do near there or find like, where can I go free kayaking? Well, Noreen, I'm glad that you can give us an update on everything taking place. And, you know, it, it's really going to be exciting to see these new parts of the park open up. It is quite a year. You know, we will have by the end of the year, all this new open space will be there for the public to enjoy. And hopefully it will all seem exciting for us. Hopefully for, for people that visit, it'll feel like it's been there forever. I mean, in part, the goal of public open space is for you to just feel like this has always been your, your destiny, you know, like what should be there. Well, for anyone who is listening that hasn't been to the West Side recently, put it down, especially for this spring and summer to be able to experience what it's all about. So Noreen, thank you again. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>